Sure is good to be together this morning. If you've already been blessed by the time of singing songs of praise, say amen. I feel like we're so blessed as a church week in and week out to be led into the presence of the Lord, and it is such a blessing to be able to worship together with you all. I'm thankful to have the opportunity this morning to minister the word to us as we spend our time in worship today. Pastor Josh is away celebrating a small occasion at a church down in Charleston. Uh, They're just celebrating 340 years of existence. I don't even know anything had lived 340 years in our country, but he's down preaching this morning at First Baptist Charleston. I'm sure he's being a blessing to that body, and I hope that our time will be a blessing to you as well as we pick up right where Pastor Josh left off last week in our study through the book of Acts. And we're answering the question as a church, how does Christ build his church. And what an important question for us to answer as a body of believers, because certainly it is the desire of our hearts to let Christ be the one who is building this church. Amen. So let's just pick up, recap where we've been in the book of Acts. Already in the book of Acts, uh, we've seen that Jesus has told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the promise, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was going to be given to them. And they were told when they received the Holy Spirit, he would give them power. Power to do what? Power to be a witness to all nations. That was going to be the mission that God was going to launch them on as they received the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost came. They were all together, and you'll remember the sound they heard and those tongues of fire that came to rest, and the Holy Spirit was poured out on that body of believers, and the gospel was preached Peter proclaimed the good news that the promised Messiah had come. And you'll remember that those who heard this message, their hearts, it says, were cut with a deep sense of conviction. They knew hearing this message demanded a response. And they asked, what do we do? And remember what Peter told them. Repent and be baptized. And he promised them they too would receive the Holy Spirit. And praise God, 3,000 souls were added to their number that day. Talk about a, a revival breaking out at the preaching of the word. And last week, the question we answered, Christ builds his church through the preaching of his word. And we see this in this passage. Remember that this experience of the tongues of fire was like the reversal of Babel where the language confusion kept man from pursuing his own mission, frustrated his plans. And then at Pentecost, we see Babel reversed, and the gospel is heard and understood, and the church is born and launched on a mission, declaring the glory and grace of God among all nations. Christ does indeed build his church on the preaching 
of God's word. But this morning, we're going to look at how Christ also builds his church in and with and through and by faithful disciples who are devoted to the values of God's kingdom. Christ builds his church through faithful disciples that are devoted to the values of God's kingdom. Let's read together Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Actually, let's begin with verse 41 to connect the dots here. It says, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number Day by day, those who were being saved. Let's pray together. Father, we believe that your church is built on your word being proclaimed. And we believe that your church is also established. It is also built on the lives of faithful disciples who devote themselves to the things that we just read about here in your word, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And Father, I pray that you would speak to us this morning as a church, and Lord, help us to assess today rightly our devotion to these things And Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts to renew our commitments again today for this church to be built on this type of devotion that your kingdom would advance and your great glory would be made known in all the earth. Father, speak to us now as we reflect on your word together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. First thing that I want us to notice, we said the answer to the question, how does Christ build his church? It's it's on the devotion of these believers to a few things that are mentioned in the text. And so, first of all, let's just understand what it means to be devoted. What what does it mean to be devoted? The, The word devoted literally means to attach oneself to, are to be faithful to, are to persist in something. So we are devoted to those things that we attach ourselves to, 
those things that we persist in doing and those things that we are faithful to. This word devoted is not a seasonal devotion. It's a word. It's an active word, not passive. It's active and it's continually active. So it's, it's not seasonal. It's not a devotion that, that ebbs and flows. It's not a devotion that comes and goes. It is a constant sense of commitment to and faithfulness to and attaching oneself to something or someone very specific. I picture this word to be faithful and thinking about being devoted and remembering what the early church faced in terms of opposition, thinking of some of the challenges that might would really press them some in their devotion. I mean, remember all the events that happened in the book of Acts as the kingdom of God is advancing. You do remember that even early on when Peter and John heal a crippled man and because of this act of kindness, you remember how the, the leaders really began to come against them and, and threaten them and literally told them, speak no more in this name, the name of Jesus. Do you remember the response of those disciples? Remember what they said? They said, we can't help but speak about what we have seen and heard. Their devotion to what they had seen and heard kept them persisting in the ministry of proclaiming the gospel. Remember Paul and Silas, when they're, uh, this is Acts chapter 16, they, they come into Philippi. Remember the experience when they delivered the, the slave girl who was demon-possessed? Remember what happened? It wasn't easy for them to remain devoted. Their devotion meant being in a dark, damp prison with their feet fastened in the stocks. But remember their response? Their devotion to the Lord was demonstrated as they suffered in that jail cell and offered their songs of praise to the one who was worthy. Devotion is not a seasonal thing. It endures even when it's challenged, even when there's opposition, even when the cost is high. Let's go on through the book of Acts. Acts chapter 20. Remember the Ephesian elders? Paul is nearing the end of his ministry. And remember the fear that had gripped the hearts of those other disciples? And remember what Paul said? He had been warned by the Holy Spirit that if he went on to the next city, prison and hardship awaited him. Remember what he said? Out of his devotion to the kingdom of God, remember what he said? He counted his life of no value. He wanted to be faithful to finish his race, to do what God had called him. This is a picture of what it means to be devoted, to persist in something, to attach ourselves to something or someone, and to be faithful now 
and forever. That's what it means to be devoted. And the church, the church of Jesus Christ is built on believers that have this kind of devotion and to something very specific. What is it that we attach ourselves to? What is it that we commit ourselves to and persist in? Well, the scripture answers those four things that we see that they were devoted to. The first thing we see they were devoted to was the apostles' teaching. The church, the first church that is launched on its mission to declare the grace and glory of God, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And what was the apostles' teaching? Well, they just had heard Peter stand in the power of the Holy Spirit and declare to them that Jesus was the fulfillment of all of the prophecies that had been given. Peter just proclaimed to them, your Messiah has come. His name is Jesus. He died for your sins and rose again that you might be saved. This was part of the teaching of the apostles, proclaiming Jesus as the fulfillment of all of the prophecies. You realize those promises and prophecies go all the way back to even Genesis 3. Just think back for a moment to, to Genesis 3. There's only so far been a creation of a beautiful world, a perfect world, where Adam and Eve enjoyed intimate fellowship with the Father, and they were deceived by the serpent and rebelled against God's good plan and fell in sin. And remember how they were then separated from God, removed from the presence of God. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, already so early in this narrative of the history of creation, we see a promise that God makes that a deliverer would come who would crush the head of that serpent who deceived them and declare victory over the curse. The promises begin as early as Genesis 3, and you can trace them through the entire Old Testament. And prophet after prophet, they're pointing at this one who would come. And Peter stands and says, he has come. Here is your Messiah. That was what they were teaching. Put all of your hope, all of your trust, all of your faith in Jesus, the one I sent to deliver you from your sins. This was the core. This was the foundation of the apostles' teaching. And, of course, there's more. We get the, the, privilege, uh, the privilege and pleasure this morning of holding in our hands this treasure this book that is the word of God that they did not have in this form. They were receiving the apostles' teaching by watching the lives of these men who were devoted, who persisted in focusing on the kingdom of God and prioritizing the kingdom of God. They heard the apostles speaking with their lips and speaking with the example of their lives, and they were devoted to that teaching. 
They gave themselves to a life of surrender to the authoritative word of God. This New Testament that we hold, this second half of this precious book that you hold in your lap this morning, we get to read that and, and to have available to us anytime, all the time, the revealed word of God. And it is entirely relevant for your life. It is without error. It is reliable. It does have authority. It is actually the authority for our life. We have the word of God. And if we are going to be a church that looks like this church that we read about in the book of Acts, we as individuals are going to be a people who are devoted to this, the word of God. We will not be swayed by popular opinion or pop culture. We will not be moved by political jargon we will not be moved even by the, the deception that we're subject to in our own hearts, our own fallen hearts and our fleshly desires. We will not be swayed by those things. If we are to be a church that resembles this church we're reading about this morning, we will be a people who are devoted to the word of God. What does it mean to be devoted to the word of God? Well, I'm glad you asked. It means that we will regularly, consistently, we will read or we will hear the word of God. That will be a part of our daily discipline that we come before the Lord desperate to hear from God. We believe it is a living book alive with the power of God. And so we will come regularly to listen to what God says. And by the, the grace of God and the work of God's spirit, we will understand the word of God. And understanding the word of God, we will obey the word of God. And to be devoted to the Word of God, it not only means listening or reading, not only understanding, not only obeying, but get this, it also means that we will share the Word of God. To be devoted to the Word means our convictions about it being true run so deep that we, like Peter and John that we read about earlier, we can't help but speak about what we have seen and heard. Amen? Y'all still with me? The church is built on and with and by faithful disciples who devote themselves to hearing, believing, obeying, and sharing the Word of God. Can I ask you this morning, just as we make it through point one, and some of y'all are looking at your watches and saying, ain't no way we can make it to four. 
But even as you assess the first thing, our devotion to the word of God, can I ask you to be open to how the spirit of God may speak to you in this moment about your commitment to, your attaching yourself to, your devotion to the word of God. And even as God would reveal to us where we are, would we be open to what God may want to do to grow us in that area? I want you to notice the second thing that it says that they were devoted to. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And second, it says, and they were devoted to the fellowship. They were devoted to the fellowship. The the Greek word is koinonia. It it means to share the experience of life together. Koinonia fellowship is that coming together to participate together, to partner together, to share together in the joys and the sorrows of life. Fellowship is more than a Wednesday night meal. It's more than donuts and coffee. It's much deeper than that. It's people who know each other deeply, and they're committed to each other deeply. They're committed to walking together, celebrating when there are things to celebrate and grieving when there are things to grieve. And together, we would face those challenges. That's what the Scripture describes the early church doing. Look at the Koinonia Fellowship of the early church as it's revealed in Acts chapter 2 when he describes down here, verse 44 and following, it says, and they were, it says, and all who believed were together Together, not just in one place, but together meaning of one heart, of one mind, with one vision. And that vision was a vision to see the glory of God exalted because he's worthy. They were together in that commitment and united in that fellowship together. And notice what it says. They were Together and they had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. You heard that phrase day by day. They were consistent in being together. Consistent to be together in worship. Consistent to be together in service. They were consistent in being together in terms of the way they, they shared their resources with one another. This willingness to to let go of their security for the future in order to sustain a brother or sister in this moment. This is the kind of fellowship we see in the early church. When I was studying this passage, it reminded me, this fellowship, what we see them doing, reminded me of what Jesus said. Do you you remember the story of the Good Samaritan? 
Y'all remember that story? You remember how that story ends? This little debate about the teacher of the law wanting to know about the commandments. And remember, remember what it says there? We, we should love the Lord our God with what? All our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. And the next phrase says, and love our neighbor as ourself. Don't you see that being fulfilled in the Acts 2 church? They were loving one another as they loved themselves. They were willing to take the excess that was in their hands and offer it to make up what was lacking in the hands of another. They were committed to the koinonia fellowship, the one anothering that we see in the scriptures. They understood what it meant to be one body with many parts. They understood that they needed to resist that urge of of feeling insecure because maybe I'm not a hand or I'm not an eye. They they knew to resist that urge. The apostles told them that in in 1 Corinthians. They they knew resist that urge and, and be secure as a member of the body who has a specific gift that God has given. And it may not look like the gifts of another. They also knew to resist the urge to be arrogant and prideful, to to be boasting in what gifts they did have and looking down on another, to look and recognize those parts that seem insignificant. No, we value them equally because together we are one body. And when any of our parts aren't working properly, we're disabled in terms of the mission that God has put before us, or we're at least hindered in our ability to participate with God in what he's doing. They were committed to, they had attached themselves to one another in a community that we call the church. Membership matters, Taylor's First Baptist family. And maybe even this morning, some are visiting and and wondering, why join? Why make a commitment to be a part of a local church? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because membership matters. The early church knew who was in and who was out. It's not just numbers. They're names. Remember Jesus' ministry when he calls those first fishermen? It, It was James and John. They had a name. Those 12 disciples, they weren't just 12 guys. They had names. They were people. When it became 120, they were people that had committed themselves to and attached themselves together to be a part of the kingdom of God advancing through the expression of a local body of believers. And even this day at Pentecost, it's not 3,000 It doesn't say 3,000 people. It says souls, 3,000 souls. It can't get any deeper than that or more personal than that. These were people that were in the family of God. Membership matters, church. And a commitment to the membership. Committing your spiritual gifts. Committing your time committing to participate, committing your your financial resources. 
We see all of that in this text as they laid down everything they had for the good of the body, for the glory of the head of the body, which is Christ. Amen? They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now I'm wondering if I can get through too. They were committed to, devoted to the breaking of bread. What does that mean, the breaking of bread? Some would say, and I believe they're right in saying so, that the breaking of bread describes just another angle on this commitment to fellowship because it does say in the text that day by day they were in the temple courts and day by day it also, it describes them gathering in homes and an intimate setting around the table sharing in a meal. And I believe certainly that is what is meant. This is an expression of their commitment to koinonia fellowship. But I also believe it's more than that. I believe this, the breaking of bread, also is a reference to what the bread and the fruit of the vine, the cup at that meal would remind them of every time they gathered and ate. Every evening meal that they sat in one another's homes and had those meals together as the bread was broken, as they drank from that cup, it was a constant reminder to them that life is more than this body. Amen? It was a reminder to them of the spiritual life that they had through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Through the broken body and shed blood of Jesus, they were spiritually alive. And as they shared those meals together, it was a constant remembering of the value of the abundant life we have in Jesus Christ. Suddenly, mealtime is, is more, than, it's more than food and it's more than flavors. It's, it's more even than just nutrition to strengthen these bodies. Now, suddenly, the mealtime is consecrated as a time to remember that it's through the death of Jesus that we are alive and that we value our spiritual life more than our physical life. It's not only, though, a remembrance Paul taught the Corinthians that every time they would take that bread and cup, he said to them, it was a proclamation of the Lord's death until he returns. So yes, that commitment to breaking of bread meant they were committed to remembering always what Christ had done, but they were also proclaiming together as they took that meal that Christ had died for their sins and that he would return to bring them home to be with him forever. The commitment to the breaking of the bread is a commitment to that, to being devoted to the remembrance of and the proclamation of the gospel. By the way, we get to the end of the passage and we see that daily people are being added to their number. And it specifically says they're being added daily. Those who were being saved. Saved from what? 
Saved from the same thing that the 3,000 were saved from when Peter preached at Pentecost. They were saved from their sins because they were hearing the preached word of God. I believe even in the context of those local gatherings as they broke bread together in their homes. If we want to be like the Acts Church, we're going to devote ourselves to remembering and valuing the spiritual life we have in Christ, and we're going to proclaim that message to others. Final thing that they were devoted to, that they attached themselves to, was the prayers, it says. They were devoted to the prayers. When I read that, several things came to my mind. But let me just share these two things that that stand out as maybe a summary of what this could represent, being devoted to the prayers. Here's what came to my mind. First thing came to my mind was prayer. Our devotion to prayer is really an expression of whether or not we are self-reliant or God-reliant. Amen? And and really, if, if, if you wanna know whether or not you are more self-reliant than God-reliant, then just, just take an inventory real quick of how often you pray and what you're praying about. And, and real quickly, we'll discover whether or not we're walking in the strength of Stephen or we're walking in the strength of the Spirit and an utter dependence on the Lord. Listen, if a commitment to koinonia fellowship is an expression of our convictions about interdependence, that we need each other, then a commitment to prayer is all about our being dependent and reliant upon the Lord. And so are we walking in self-reliance or are we expressing daily, I'm so dependent on you, God, I can't even tie my shoes without a little help from your spirit. Now, I know that's an exaggeration, but how many things do we do in the day? How many big decisions do we make that we just make them instinctively or intuitively and we fail to plead with the Lord and to wait at his presence and to move only as his spirit leads us to move. A church, the church that is like this church will be devoted to the prayers. Let me just summarize. If you want to know what to pray pray about, just go back to the Lord's prayer. And Jesus gave us a great formula for what to pray about right there in the Lord's prayer. And I think everything's covered there. We can walk through. And again, prayer is not just a formula, not just how much time do I sit and go through the list. Prayer is that constant communication between us and God. Our commitment to the apostles' teaching means that we're often with an open Bible, listening to, reading the Word of God. Our commitment to prayer means that we're often in His presence, opening up our hearts, expressing what's going on in our hearts. What is it that makes us anxious? What is it that has us confused? Where is it that we need His power and His grace? We'll communicate that in our prayers. We need to be a people who are God-reliant. The church, this church was God-reliant. 
and they experience the favor of God. You see it in the text. They experienced favor with each other, but they were also experiencing the favor of God and the kingdom was advancing. It was contagious what was happening in their community. Church, here's my convictions and we'll, we'll wrap up with this. The church of Jesus Christ is built by and with and through faithful disciples who devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, who devote themselves to the koinonia fellowship, to the body being an active part of the body. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, the remembering of where real life comes from and the proclaiming of that message to all who would hear. And they devoted themselves to a life of utter dependence on the Lord God himself. If we were to be that kind of people, wow, what an impact. What an impact we would make on this community, on this county, on our state, on our nation, and among all nations. Lord, I pray that you help us know this morning where we are currently regarding our devotion. Are we devoted to those things that the early church was devoted to? Lord, would you speak to us and stir us, Lord, to that desire where the desire is there and the commitment is there to devote ourselves to your eternal and living word, to the body of Christ, to the breaking of bread, and to a life of dependence on you that is expressed through prayer. Holy Spirit, work in this service. Convict, change lives. Lord, maybe even now, I, I don't know who's here, who maybe has never trusted Christ as their Savior and Lord, never understood their need to be saved. Lord, would you convict of sin now and convince those who are here that have not been saved, that today is the day of salvation for them. If they would repent and believe the gospel. Lord, have your way as we sing this song. Move powerfully and have your way. And not just during this service, but as we exit this building, may we be a people who are devoted. Christ's name we pray.